Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to tournament poker strategy. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Fez Buddy and Killing Bird. Hey everybody, welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Killing Bird here, along with Ron Fez Buddy. How's it going, buddy? Good, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Very good. Yep, doing good. Um, Happy to be back uh, on the podcast, huh? Yeah, it's been a little while. Oh, yeah? But we did two right back-to-back there for the WSOP, so I guess we earned ourselves a little vacation. Yeah, well, you you were at the uh, Harrah's event, right? WSOP circuit event? Yep, went up there for, uh, I guess, five or six days, played a few events. Um, And, you know, could have went better. The the $300 events never really got a ton going. I think I... Busted right before dinner and won. Uh-huh. Um, busted some other time that I don't remember in the other. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then in the fifth, in the the $500 event, which was event three, I pretty much stone bubbled it. It paid 30 and I finished, I think, 33rd or 34th. I actually forget where now, but... Um, I was jonesing live play, but you kind of brought me down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was frustrating. And it, it, was, it was one of those situations, too, where it was... Um, we were getting down, you know, obviously on the bubble, there were a lot of short stacks, and we were at, we were at 1,500, 3,000, and I had 53K. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I wasn't in great shape, but there were, there were, you know, there was probably eight to ten people with less chips. Yeah, I think you probably have a ton of fold equity live with that stack size. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. Yeah, but. And it was, yeah, it was kind of a weird spot, like, you know, a guy, not, well, it wasn't a weird spot, it was actually pretty, probably incredibly standard, you know, guy, um. I guess he would have been like middle position because I think I was, I think I was in the hijack or the cutoff. Anyway, he he opens, which he had been doing quite a bit. Uh, I look down at two nines, and uh, and ship it in and and run into queens. Yeah, One of those frustrating spots where the guy probably didn't have it the other eight times he opened. Right. But of yeah. but of course when I finally pick up a hand and jam, and I had been really card dead. And I had just kind of jam. I had kind of like three bet restealed my way into you know a sort of workable stack. Right. Um, you know, I, just, I would have 15 bigs and then I would, I would have no hands. And I'd fold down to like 12 or 11 and then I would jam over and open and they would fold. And so, I, you know, I managed to kind of maintain my, my life fairly well, but then just, you know, couldn't, couldn't pick up the hand when I really needed it. So, yeah, it seems like. And the, the worst part was too, is I had two, I had two red nines. He had two black queens and the flop came all diamonds. Oh. So, you know, I picked up a ton of oh. outs right. on the flop. That's even more I, disappointing. <laughs> Yeah, because then I actually had hope. You know, I'd rather just brick out, like yeah. you know, or put a queen out there and just put it, you know, put me out of my misery. But to, to actually get that much of a chance, I was like, oh, whoa! Uh, I started doing the math in my head. And I'm like, oh, I have a chance here. But, but there uh, was a uh, to be. there was a series saver for you, though, right? Yeah, you know, I, we we were. Um, I, I go. I actually I go to this event pretty much every year, and I and I go with some of the guys from my home game. And it's uh, I mean it's a little bit more of a serious poker trip for me than for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, it's just sort of a fun guys trip to Atlantic City, and we always end up playing the showboat Donkuments if right. we're not, you know, if we're not in this, the WSOP event still, uh, because it's, it's right by our hotel that we stay at. Right. So we play, you know, sometimes we'll play three of those a day or whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I ended up uh, winning the 7 p.m. one for 1100, which you know isn't a huge score, but it kind of saved. 
the trip for me. Yeah. Wise. That always feels good, especially since it came late in your turn in your uh, trip, you know, and, right. <laughs> and it saved, like I said, it saved your, uh, your series and it's nice to get a win there. Good for your yeah. Yeah. And I, and I felt like I'd been playing really well all weekend and I, and I think I played really well in that tournament and it was nice to kind of see it pay off. Right. You know? What about yeah. online? Are you playing, uh, Anything on yeah, I've been playing a ton. You know, November was kind of a slow month for me because of traveling. I went to see both my family and my wife's family, and then you know, I was with Thanksgiving in there and various yeah. things. I didn't get to play a lot, so I kind of committed to, to playing a ton of volume in in December. And uh, and so far, I've been doing you know doing well at putting in the volume. I wasn't running super great, but then I managed a second place finish in the thirty rebuy the other day. Yeah, uh, which so. was a decent. Uh, a decent score and got me got me profitable for December. So uh, I'm on my way and uh, and we still got you know half the month left and I plan on playing four to five days a week for the rest of the month. So nice, nice. Hopefully yeah. I can, uh, hopefully I can make some moolah. How about you? You've been playing much? Um, I haven't been playing a ton. Uh, the holidays really you know tied things up for me and it's been pretty slammed with life stuff. But um, I've been running pretty bad and I ha- I, I basically. I'm starting to get to the point where I'm not really managing my merge bankroll like I would a normal bankroll, you know, like right. I'm not playing it with, you know, I usually, when, when we had stars in FTP, I used to keep 200 big blind, I'm sorry, 200 buy-in minimum uh, average buy-in, like without a doubt, that was my, that was my, maybe even 250, 300 is what I was right. I mean, here I'm, you know, I have a, ha, having a 2.5k bankroll and playing 30 rebuys, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've been in a little bit of downswing and it's really and it's really hit my bankroll pretty hard. I, I mean, I will say I got my first cash out, which is awesome to get cash outs from a poker site again. Yeah, <laughs> nice. feels nice. Um, so that you know that brought me down, but I, I cashed out. Then I hit the cash out curse <laughs> and <it's> <laughs> downswing, and um and so I haven't played a ton. And when I have, I just really haven't been able to do anything. Um, you know, I also think the games are getting a little harder. Um, I think not at the low buy-ins. I think they're still pretty soft. Um, but I think at the higher buy-ins, I think more U.S. Reg- regs are just starting to get tired and bored and want to play. Yeah. So I don't think they're super soft like they were in the beginning, right after Black Friday. Um, so that I think has something to do with it as well. But I think you know I, I've I've been running pretty good on on merge with limited volume and so i'm hitting that that downswing so i i just haven't been playing as much and, and when i have i just haven't had much to much to say about it, it just hasn't really yeah. turned into any results for me but you know we'll yeah i think there, i think there's definitely more regs showing up especially in the higher buy-ins and right. it just it it makes it that much more important to just pay attention to, to what's going on at your table and yeah take really notes this, and this is absolutely just, true absolutely. yeah just kind of pick your spots better because i mean now it's getting to the point now where if i sit down in like the you know the the 100k or the 25k or, or any of those like 30 rebuys and stuff like you just instantly sat down with four guys who you've who you're familiar with yeah. and they, they might not be you know there are varying skill levels but they're definitely regulars right so you kind of uh, you definitely have to adjust and pay really close attention to yep. that stuff yeah i agree with that i agree with that so you know i i don't want to ever i don't want to redeposit or merge it's just such a hassle so i'm just getting going into sort of bankroll conservatism mode and hopefully i run off another four or five final table top three finishes in a row and you know like i did the first round with that bankroll and and knock it out um just outrun the variance there so and i think you can outrun the variance and merge i think it's small enough fields that you know assuming that you're you're you know you're plus ev in the games you're playing and i think you know if i knock if i cross out the you know i never played the hundred you know, I played the 100K here and there, but I never played, you know, the high roller or, you know, anything expensive on there. So, 
knocking out maybe the 30 rebuy and the 20 rebuy, I'm pretty sure I can outrun variance at the smaller stakes given the small field sizes if I just stay within bankroll constraints. So that's where I am. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Cool. Cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about the show we got coming up today. Yep. Uh, we have Danny N13, um, a relatively new TP pro, but I guess he's been on staff now for a couple of months. Um, but it's good timing to bring him on. He's done he's done two video series for us so far, um, a hyper turbo series and a turbo series, and he's starting to break through and freeze out. So we wanted to bring him on in the big 162. Um, Danny's from Canada, so he's still playing, and uh, and we thought now is a good time to bring him on. He's gonna we're gonna talk about that tournament, and he's gonna do a hand history review on it. So uh, we thought it was a good time to bring him on and talk about it. And we also have Sean Cougars 4444 um, Hendrickson a long-standing TBE pro um, who just had a final table at the WPT main event Tampa. Pretty pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, it was fun Indeed. fun railing him virtually yeah. in the interwebs. Yeah, and and he's we're going to we're going to actually do back-to-back podcasts here. We're going to do another one next week relatively quickly. We usually do them every couple of weeks. Um we want to make sure that we get enough time with both guys. Um, we weren't expecting Sean to have such a great result to come into this podcast. Yeah. But since he did, we want to, we want to extend it and, and talk to him about that. Um, so we'll follow up with him next week on that. We're going to focus mostly on Danny here today, but we have Sean and Danny here to talk to in just a bit. Yeah, and they're and they're longtime friends. We met yeah. Danny through Sean, so it should be fun. Yeah, uh, and, fun and, I, and I hear that Danny is a Super Mario Kart fish, so I want to hear about that story. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. Some people <laughs> probably remember hearing that on the on the TPE live podcast, but for those of you who haven't, we'll bring you up to date on all that shenanigans. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's take a break, and then we'll come back with uh, Danny and Sean on the TPE podcast. everybody, welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Time to bring in today's pros. First of all, uh, welcome to Sean Hendrickson. Hi. Podcast again. What's up, brother? Hey, buddy. Also want to uh, welcome for the first time, new TPE pro, Danny, Danny N13 Noseworthy. What's up, sir? Sir, welcome to be a part of the team. What's up? Danny. How's it going? Good. 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 Going well, going well. So, um... I guess a, a quick little bit of history uh, on you and kind of how we all met. You, you've you known Sean, I guess, for a while. Sadly. Um, yeah, Sadly, <laughs> unfortunately for both of you. But we uh, but we got to kind of meet out in Vegas during the World Series this summer and you know, hanging out at the house and different tournaments and stuff like that. And Yeah, you met him after he lost three grand playing Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was my introduction. And he fell asleep during the last game. He was so drunk. <laughs> yeah. It, it yeah. sounds like you guys broke some laws. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> Danny, I would try to get that money back, recover it. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we kind of worked out a deal. They were giving me like three to one of my money, and I kind of. I kind of got pretty good at the end at the end of the summer at the game. So <laughs> wait, wait, what, what was the, wait? Please explain the prop bet. Uh, we know you lost, but what was the? Yeah, t- I, I I don't really know what happened. Um, it started Sounds off like, like a good bet for you. Then. <laughs> a Twenty dollar game of Mario Kart. So like I played Mario Kart as a kid. I you know thought I was okay at it. So whatever. Barely these guys were like super nerd pros. Like <laughs> never leave their house playing video games. So um, they kicked my ass and looking at them. Yeah, so, yeah, a few drinks later, a few Jack and Cokes that turned into, like, $100 and $200 and $3,000 worth of... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was pretty fun. I think when Casey met you for the first time, his words were, you got to be a dumb mother to lose $3,000 playing Mario Kart. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know you very well. I'm not judging you, but, uh, yeah... (laughs) Yeah, that that became a theme for the entire summer, actually. Mm-hmm. And that's yes. why you're now known as Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. That's right. Very good. Very good. And uh, and it should be a fun summer coming up because uh, Danny is going to be crashing with us at the TPE house. Yeah, so it should be awesome for sure. We'll have good times. So why don't you um, maybe talk a little bit about your background, how you got into poker, and, and kind of where where you've progressed from when you yeah. started to now. Um, I started off playing Texas Hold'em, I was just at a friend's house or whatever in high school. Everyone started playing for like five, ten, twenty dollar games or whatever. And I was just I love gambling anyway. I just whatever. What and, I, no no uh, no idea. No, no one would have uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I learned the game and then I had I happened to have a pool table in my house, so that became like a tradition. We'd like once or twice a week a bunch of my friends would come over and we'd play and whatever. And whatever, I, felt I was okay, and uh, so I decided after high school, to, you know, I went through that phase of let's deposit money and play $100 tournaments and lose millions of dollars, <laughs> and uh, it was actually in April 2009, the, a few months before I started uh, doing some research and reading a lot on forums and different sites and stuff. And I always had an interest in six max because you could play a lot of hands, pretty uh, aggro game, and uh, so that's where I started. And I deposited 600 bucks on full tilt and started off playing like 20, 30 dollar uh, six max turbo sit and goes, and ran it up to 10k in like one week. It was I uh, just jump stakes, jump stakes. As soon as like the bankroll went up, I just kept jumping and I was just crushing. But then, I don't know, I kind of realized I was a little in over my head and needed some help if I was going to play those higher stakes. I knew I could beat, like, the $20 ones or whatever. I was doing fairly well. So I actually reached out to uh, Sizzle and Betta. I saw he was an instructor on sit-and-go grinders at the time, and uh, I, I just messaged him in the chat when I was playing against him in, like, a $200 sit-and-go that I should have been, shouldn't have been in. <laughs> and, uh, I was just like, yeah, are you interested in uh, coaching and staking someone? And then he said, email me, whatever, emailed him, and then he said, uh, call me. I was like, okay, whatever, called him, and he was like, are you serious about this? Like, are you actually going to learn, blah, 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 and 
he was like, if you are, we're going to start right from scratch. You're going to play like the $20 and move up. So watching his videos and him helping me and whatever, I played throughout the summer. I made a couple thousand, nothing huge, but, uh, I, I really didn't know what I was going to do in school in September. I was trying to become a police officer. <laughs> That's kind of, wow. I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> that that like, all day. <laughs> yeah. My friends still make fun of me to this day, but, um, yeah. So he asked me in September, he was like, well, if you're not doing anything in school, why don't you come work for me and I'll coach you at my house? I was like, well, I mean, some random dude down in New Jersey. I mean, I don't know. A police officer or go live with a random dude? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty standard. Anyway, so September came around. I said, whatever. End of September, packed up my bags, told my girlfriend and my parents I was moving to New Jersey. I'll be back for Christmas. And, uh, yeah, went down there. I think it was the first week or second week I was down there. I won, like, a third and like, the $200 Six Max MTT Turbo for, like, Seven or eight thousand. Then I got sixth in the Sunday second chance a week later for like eleven or twelve thousand, and just started started crushing. Like he was a great coach. Like he's a really high strong guy. But man, to talk hands with someone, it's just like he, he can never get enough. So you know, you, you just listen to him even though he rambles and whatever. But I don't know, <laughs> learned a lot from him. So now, um, <clears throat> so Danny, now when you when we originally brought you on to TP as, as a coach, we had you starting on turbos and hyper turbos and, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, six Mac, uh, sit and go turbos just because that was your background. But you've, you know, you just mentioned to freeze outs that you, you did really well in and you've been crushing freeze outs lately. So yeah. would you consider yourself a specialist in one or the other or just well-rounded or. Um, I think I'm pretty well-rounded, but. I just think I have my turbo strategy is just down to a T. Like I just um, each each level and each buy-in level, I'm pretty sure I can compete with any any regs mm-hmm. out there. Um, I think my push fold's pretty good. There's a few little tricks I use, which a lot of people can see now in uh, my recent series and stuff. But uh, giving out your secrets. Yeah, <laughs> giving out secrets, whatever. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, what would you say, you know, what are, what are, what are one or two key strategies? I mean, not, we don't need to expand too mm-hmm. deeply, but just one or two things that people may not realize about the difference between turbos and, and freeze outs and people do wrong in turbos that they, that, that, that they're unaware of. And, you know, uh, I'm not yeah, sure if there's um, any big leaks or small things, but just anything around that. that well, basically, um, you really need to pay attention to stack sizes in turbos, and you you can't be just opening hands that you want to play by looking at your cards. You need to look for spots more so, mm-hmm. and know when to call or who to call, and what hand what range you know you're opening and calling with. So like, there's a few steel spots that you need. You, you need. I don't know. You kind of need to play tight. And then it just moves into push fall with a few steel spots. Uh, I mean, it's it seems so basic to me. Maybe it's not to other people, but um, yeah, there's a few ways to exploit some regs and stuff. But other than that, I, I don't know. I find turbos just so straightforward, just because right. I've been taught them for such a long time. It's like breathing for you, right? <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> would, would you would you say that in turbos, how much of a factor is is tournament life in turbos compared to to freezeouts? Are you looking for any plus EV spot? Does that change as the tournaments get deeper and the stacks get shallow? Should we just be looking for plus EV, or do we? When do we start? How do? How is tournament life affected, and when do we start? Yeah, it's, that? it's funny that you say uh, looking for spots, and that's one reason um, maybe uh, my success in turbos is more more than my freezeouts. I mean, I do have decent freezeout um, stats, but. Uh, I do tend to look for more spots in turbos just because I want to stay a, a certain stack. Like like I say in my videos, I, I rarely let myself get under 10 big blinds, and that's one of the key components to winning a turbo MTT rather than a freeze-out because you like you need to play, pay attention to when the blinds are going up, and, and with antis and five-minute blinds or three-minute blinds, whatever it is in a turbo um, – you're just going to get so short, you're not going to have fold equity, and then you're going to have to take that high variance spot. But if you keep keep yourself above 10 big blinds, then, uh, you know, you have a better chance to win the tournament. <laughs> but freeze-out-wise, I mean, you can fold fold your way to five or six big blinds and come back a million times The structure's a lot slower, et cetera. Right, right. <clears throat> and what about calling off? Um, well, actually, before we get into calling off, so back to the 10 big blinds and, and shoving. So... I mean, what? Uh, obviously, the, every situation is dynamic and, and, and going to be different. But if we have like ten or eleven or twelve big blinds and, mm-hmm. and we're in early position, um, you know, assuming a normal sort of table, I, I, I can't, you know, give you specifics on any yep. particular players. But I mean, are we are we getting ready to just shove any two early position with like eleven big blinds, or are we going to let the blinds go through us one more time? Or um, eleven big blinds. Depending, like, what I'll actually do, I will go to the info tab and see is if it says within one minute, it's going to affect my decision a lot right. more. Right. And depending okay. on the big blind stack that I'm shoving on, um, if he's a reg and I know he's going to call me with, like, ace reg or king 10 or something like that, if he knows I'm going to be shoving eight, seven suited from 10 big blinds or something like that, um, I won't shove and I'll go through the blinds one more time. Mm-hmm. But my range, I mean, it, it depends on who's at the table, obviously, but a bunch of randoms, I'm just going to shove all day whenever I'm less than 10 big blinds because you're going to you're gonna get through a ton. You really are. Okay. And even sometimes I'll pseudo-shove or min-raise, depending on the stack. Um, sometimes if I have seven or eight big blinds off 4X and, I don't know, people just think you're raising, some people miss it, some people are playing so many tables that they don't even realize it's a raise and like, oh wow, four X fold. Mm, right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm gonna try to ask this question, I'm not sure if I'm gonna get it out right, but mm-hmm. see if I can capture the concept. So in a turbo with ten big blinds, I'm assuming most turbos the structure is gonna be shallower, so your ten big blind stack is way more closer to the average than in a freeze out generally, mm-hmm. right? You would agree with that? Okay. Yeah, for sure. So, so your your shove probably has a lot more weight in that situation than it would in a freeze out. Is that is that fair and is that correct? Yes, yes, it is. Yep. Okay. So, so does that mean that the calling ranges will be tighter in a freeze out because of that, or um, or the calling range is tighter? I'm sorry, in a in a turbo, will the calling ranges be tighter in a turbo because you know your ten big blinds 
has way more impact on everyone else than it would in a freeze out? Or is it, or because of the speed of the tournament, are people likely to call you lighter? Yeah, um, it's a little bit of both because it depends on the buy-in level, but in general, uh, I think at a random table, you're, you're not going to get called that light. Right. And they're not really paying attention to the structure. They're looking at their hands more so. But um, like for I'll give you an example. So like let's say you shove ten big blinds from early position. Is the guy in the you know the button who has a near tournament average stack going to call you with ace jack, or is he going to fold in a turbo? Yeah, he's he's going to call with ace jack. Okay, in in a, in a turbo. What about like? King Jack, are we going to get calls from that that kind of hand? It's amazing what you get called with sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just so hard to answer that question. Right, right, um, right, right, it, right. It depends. Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to figure out what the impact, the, the sort of the balance between faster structure and yep. um, smaller, you know, stack sizes where people are going to be calling you less. Yeah, I think people will call you a lot looser in a, in a uh, turbo. I think. You know, especially from 10 big blinds early position. I think in 10 big blinds in a freeze out, people still still think that, you know, you can go through the blinds. You're you're not forced to take this spot. So, you know. Okay. So, um, I see. yeah, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, and what about calling off? So let's say, and we have a hand here um, that from one of your videos that we'll, we'll talk about in a second, but what mm-hmm. is your philosophy on making calls for people shoving in 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 turbos, um, given you know tournament life and stack sizes being more um, depending on how deep we are in the tournament, um, I prefer to be the first one in uh, because you still have fold equity with like five or six big blinds in a turbo. Right. So I don't think you if I'm in the big blind say and early position rag shoves. I mean if I have ace rag. And he's shoving like eight or nine big blinds. I, I probably am ahead of his range, but then again, he can get hands, and I'm probably only 60% at best against his range anyway. So, do I need to take that high variance spot, or when are the blinds going up? Like, if they're going up within a few minutes, I mean, I might take that spot. But if I have a, a whole, I have, I have seven hands behind me to find a shove spot. Then with fold equity, then I'm okay with passing up on that spot. Right, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And Danny, you've mentioned you know uh, you're altering your play based on whether the person in the you know that you're playing against is a rag or whatever. Do you mm-hmm. do you find that you see a lot of the same people in these in these turbos? Yeah, for sure. A lot of the same people are getting deep. Um, do you think you're uh, better than all of them? Of course, <laughs> your poker player should. <laughs> you have to believe it, even if it's not true, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. All right, so um, let, let's talk about this hand. Um, it, uh, you know, I think it was that the hand was nothing extraordinary in the video, but it brought up some good discussion um, mm-hmm. on the board and 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 on the video comments themselves. Um, this was in part four of your recent um, Turbo Sweat. Okay. And. I th- it was a, I forget the buy-in. Um, actually, I'll tell you right now the buy-in. I have it open. It was a eight-dollar rebuy, two X turbo, twenty-five K guarantee. Mm-hmm. 
Um, God, I hate those tournaments. <laughs> yeah, super high variance. Yeah. Super uh, high. Like. Super high, right. And But everyone's shallow at the table. I think the blinds are 6K, 12K. Um, you have 68K to start the hand, and you're in the big blind. So when mm-hmm. you post, after you post the big blind, you only have like four, big, four and a half, five big blinds left. Right. Um, and the biggest stack at the table is like 174K. Uh, most people are, you know, somewhere in the middle, 108, 120. Okay. So looks like average stack is like 10 big blinds at this table. Yeah. Um, and it folds to the 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 cutoff with uh, 86k. Um, his name is Mofo47. I don't know if you recognize him. If he's a regular, I'm not, I'm not sure. sure. Um, and he shoves 86k. Uh, button folds, small blind folds, and then with Ace three, um, you folded. Um, preserving your stack with, you know, five big blinds. And, and when people asked you about it in the, in the, in the message board, you mm-hmm. indicated that you probably could have actually gone either way on this one. Would you mind talking about this hand a little bit and decision factors? Yeah. Um, now that I think about it, I mean, I don't know why I got that short. That's why right. this spot shouldn't even be, I shouldn't right. even have to talk about it, if that makes sense, because this is not how I, I usually play. I mean, I could have got moved to a table. Under the gun, I could have got dealt garbage, and then I was just stuck in the big line this short. Right. Um, I prefer to actually take the under the gun plus one spot a lot of the time because um, it doesn't seem like you're forced to shove less than ten big blinds because um, you have two hands. If that like under the gun, a lot of people realize, okay, he doesn't want to go through the blinds. He's less than ten, so I can call him. Uh, I can put him on this range and call him this light but if you're undergone plus one i think you can shove uh and you get more res- a little more respect if that makes sense yeah actually yeah. you know what? i was looking at the video and and you had a, you you got to this short because you had about 12 or 13 big blinds which at the time was actually you know right there in the middle of everyone mm-hmm. and you had fours in the in the big blind and you lost a, a race against someone with half a stack of you so you just kept battling back between doubling up and losing half your stack again with shoves so okay I, it looks like there's really nothing you know nothing you could have done you just kind of were, were battling with that size stack back and forth yeah um i'm almost getting two to one on this call i mean I, I have no problem with either way. Right. But it, I, what I would do first, I would I would check to see when the blinds are going up. If the blinds are going up, like, in one minute, and I'm only going to have, like, three or four big blinds, I'm going to take this spot just right. because I think any ace is ahead of his shoving range. He should be, almost shove any two here. Right, right. And he still has me covered if he does lose slightly, but uh, just he's just got to get his chips in, and it's a perfect spot for him to shove light. So I think it should be ahead of his range. Uh, I mean, why not go for the win there? You are, right. you are short. But I guess if I was battling hard, I kind of didn't want to give up, like, the hero comeback kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it looked like you were just battling back and forth. Yeah. You stack back up there. Okay, cool. All right, and then um, so recently um, you've had some success with non-turbos. Um, do you want to talk about? Your latest couple of runs seems like you're final tabling something all the time now. Lost yeah, and, I mean, I've just got on this 40k upswing and it finally feels nice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that I got fourth in the bigger 162. There, I think. So you're saying, so you're saying you're finally running good? Yeah, 
<laughs> so are you apparently, but, uh, so no, 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 face, no Facebook messages about how bad you're on. I haven't seen any of those. In like <laughs> no, I'm just using my bad beats on Twitter now. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, give it time though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll like, oh that. yeah, I didn't want 25,000. He's king in eights. So I lost the flip. <laughs> yeah. you, you were, it was gold for at least five. Awesome Facebook messages from Danny every Sunday. Yeah. I was in a pretty big slump, man. I don't know. I got a little emo on everyone. I'd say so. Okay. <laughs> settle, settle down. Uh, yeah. So, um, so you, so what place did you take in that big 162 that you just final table? I got fourth, and it it kind of really bothered me because. First was like 40-something, 42, 43K. Mm-hmm. I did get fourth. I kind of went to the final table. I think I was like somewhat short at the final table, so fourth was okay. But um, I still wanted that freeze-out win, and that's what I've been lacking. Like I hit that score last year for like 67,000, but ever since it's been like 10, 15, 20K. I just wanted that big score again, so it was kind of annoying, but... I think I played pretty well to get there, and at the final table, um, there were some really weird, interesting spots that if they did go my way, I could have easily shipped the tournament. So right, well, there's there's a spot here that we noticed five-handed, um, and actually okay. you're a chip leader at this point, so mm-hmm. you must you came back from being short-handed, short-stacked uh, at the final table to you have about 72 bigs. Um, mm-hmm. You're in the big blind with ace-queen ace queen off. Yep. And the hijack has 50 bigs. Okay. And he opens to 3x. And what you said was that this guy's been pretty aggro, aggro if you remember. Yeah, that was the Matt Allen guy. He uh, okay. He was opening a lot of hands, 3-betting a lot of hands, just limping. He was, doing, he was just unpredictable. Right. Um, really awkward. Right. So you have ace-queen in the big, um, and you flat pre. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of, you know, I think, I think, I think, uh, I mean, I definitely agree with that, um, given the... Yeah, I think, uh, I think if I, I do remember to say, and if I, uh, if I did three bet there, I think he's going to flat no no matter what I three bet. Right. So when I break the flop, it's going to be awkward because I think he's going to challenge any, uh, any dry low board. I think he's going to challenge because he just puts me on, you know. Ace Jack through Ace King or whatever. Right, you're gonna have you know if you three bet and he flats, he's gonna be flatting you in position. You're gonna be out of right. position. Right. The pot's gonna be bigger. Your C bet's gonna be big, and right. then your eight, if you three bet him here, um, you could fold a lot of do- hands that you dominate too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so it's probably better. I, I mean, I agree, and I, I'm guessing that's probably what you're. Right. Doing. Yeah, I didn't really want to. I mean, playing for stacks is not bad here, I guess, but uh, there were a couple shorties and. Right. Which makes me think, ICM-wise, is he going to get in less than ace-queen as well? Right. Um, I mean, he might because he is a spaz, but... <laughs> I mean, fi- mm. is 50 bigs playing okay playing for stacks here? It seems... It's it, hard because is that a four? I, that's a five-bet, like right? Five or six. Spaz, I mean, it's it's really hard to... I, I didn't really have his range nailed to right. any situation, so at, I, at this point, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want a three-bet fold ace-queen either. It kind of makes me sick. Yeah, right. Right, and he three xed, so right. this right. is going to be a bigger pot if you if you inflate it. So okay, so you flat pre flop, um, mm-hmm. 
Uh, okay. And the flop is Ace Nine Seven Rainbow. Um, okay. So what do you? You're first to act. What's your normal play here? What, what are you thinking you should do here? Um, I just think I'm gonna check call for value. Um, and let him spaz if he, like since he is a spaz. I mean, just let him go for it and uh, triple barrel bluff or and get the most value out of uh, you know. He could have like a small pair of hair. He could have whatever. He's if once he sees that ace, he could even just get upset that that ace flopped and uh, just try to outplay me. Like he's been, you know, he's been super aggressive. So right, right. And if you lead out here, it's you know, I mean, he's going to really crazy spot. Yeah, and he, and he he's going to see bets so frequently here, and I think you said it. He he's going to even double and triple barrel here a lot. Right. So I don't want to see bet and. Uh, and lose any value either. Uh, I don't see the point of c-betting that that dry right. board. Right. And what do you think? Um, if you if he f- just checks behind, what are you what are you putting him on? If he doesn't bet, what do you, what do you think he's doing? Um, what, what does that I think tell he you? Checks about behind. He's probably strong. Right. Because, um, he probably has like he's not afraid of anything, and he wants to give value from weaker hands on the turn. Right. So he could have like two pair set, uh, top top, etc. Okay. All right. Um, well, he actually bets pot, which is a pretty big C. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just insane. I I was just shocked by it. I don't even understand it. <laughs> so it's like, okay, this one's gonna be fun. So I just call and re- uh, wanted to reevaluate on the turn, and uh, yeah, okay, so. That's what you did. You, yep. He, you checked. He bets pot. You call, which mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think it's clearly the play here. Um, yep. The turn is a three. So, <laughs> like the Sorry. pot bet. Like the thing about the pot bet is that if he just c bet, I think if he c bet normal, like you know, half or less or, mm-hmm. or one and a half, you're probably going to be calling a turn and probably calling a river, right? I mean, depending right. on what happens right. on the board. For sure. But when he bets pot now, like. I mean, part of part of his strategy is good, uh, could be good, I guess, in a way, because it's throwing you off. So, like, I don't right. know. It, 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 if he's trying to make it look like a bluff and he has the top of it, I mean, it's fantastic play for a thinking player. Right. If he gives me like an ace in my hand or whatever. Right. So, yeah, no, I would like. I I kind of do like his bet either way because it could induce a bluff for me or. Um. It could really mess mess with uh, my hand here if I do have like you know even a piece of that. Right. Um, yeah. You you check. Um, so the turn is a three and you check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he and so then he jams two x the pot. Like I'm trying to figure out. Obviously that's 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 a strange line as well. But I mean now that he's bet pot, what are we doing in all situations here? Are we you know, we, we'd love for him to check behind, and we can get to a, a, a river with a smaller pot. But right. if he makes a half-size bet, if he makes a quarter bet, if he makes a three-quarters bet, is there? Uh, I guess you'd have to see the timing and, and whatnot. And yeah, I think I, I think it was call call until I mean, right. I'm not happy about it, but it just seemed like if he bet, if he double barrels and then triple barrel jams, I think I mean. He's either got ace, king, or air. Right. I'm pretty sure. I mean, so, he could have flopped a set of nines, but I don't know why he'd lead pot. Why would he bet pot? On, but that's what I'm saying, where I kind of like his play for a thinking player. If he does bet that 
like a pop pot size bet on the flop then uh and puts me on like an ace jack through ace king or right. ace ten through ace king um then i kind of like it so can't you know? get to a pot size bet on the river a different way if that's what he has it seems like i'm trying to figure out if that's the only way he's going to get you to make a mistake uh, I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, I think if he just bet, bet, bets, I'm call, call, calling with there with ace queen all day. Check call, check call, check call. Right. So his strong hands, he could just do that, and you're like you just said, you're ready to call, call, call. Right. So if this is a strong hand, I mean, if we're thinking, he's thinking what you're thinking. You know, he's you're in a <laughs> yeah. level four. Like, like why would nines do that? So, and and I'm trying to figure out what ace king would do here. It just seemed like the the way he was playing, it just seemed like he was going for it super hard and he was over it. He even said it in the chat at one point he was, like, getting tired or something like this. So you're saying he had 8-10? 8-10 would definitely be a possibility there. Um, what actually, I mean... The turn actually scared me, even though it's a three and it shouldn't change anything it did, because I think I really thought he's either got ace three, a set of threes, or he had two pair on the flop, and that's why he bet it so hard. Maybe like ace seven in case he didn't want to get counterfeited or whatever. And he does. I don't think he. I don't think he ever has threes. Ace three is a possibility, but I don't think he has threes. But that's but that's why he would bet the ace so hard because he's he's just trying to bluff and win the hand right then and there and then he could have turned it and then what, turned it into his yeah but at the same bluff. time then, then he's doing the same thing with fours five sixes eights so like oh, yeah know. but I don't think a a person who's not on that level I don't think he's gonna two x jam the pot if he doesn't have it. Right. So, actually, so that's what he does. He does two x pot it, and you're going to give him credit. So, so what did you do? I'm not sure what you did here. I did fold. You did fold. Uh, just yeah. the, the main reasoning was was the other stacks ICM wise. I mean, Ape Styles had like 20 big blinds. Uh, another guy had like 30. Um, he was probably the weakest player at the time. It was, Tollgate was at the table too, so he's very good. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I was just stumped and. And the only hand, I mean, if 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 he does have ace king two pair or a set, um, I'm crippled, and you know he I I pretty much only have like three or four hundred k left, fifteen twenty big blinds, and I just didn't want to be in that spot. Right. We're still still fairly deep. I just thought, you know, why take this spot now when all I called was preflop. Um. And a seabed, even though it was a pot size seabed, I still, you know, I still had a million chips behind. I just, I just didn't want to take that spot right. in case I was wrong. I wish we could see what he had. <laughs> I know what he had. He showed it. He showed ace queen. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, that's a weird line for ace queen. Well, that's what I was trying to figure out. What does he do with ace jack and ace stun there? And I think he might do the same if he didn't care. Yeah, that's, that's a weird spot. But... I mean, I think he, if he does it with ace-queen, he is doing it with ace-king, and maybe it's then, as well. He's, but, I mean, he's probably doing it with ace-jack and ace-ten as well, then. Yeah. Especially if you think he does it with ace-three. But I think if he thought I had ace-king, <clears throat> he he uh, 
You're not folding Ace King there, I don't think, are you? I would have three bet pre with Ace King though. That's true. So yeah, he, he can kind of discount that hand from your range. Yeah, probably. that's true. So that's why. Uh, I mean, he might do it with Ace Jack. With Ace Ten, I doubt it because I would flat Ace Jack and Ace Queen pre. It you're was giving, either you're giving him credit for knowing that he wasn't really doing this for value. I don't think. Really? No. And you think he's two X? Like, I don't know. On turn for value there. What's that? You think he's 2xing pot on turn for value? What is he bluffing Danny off of that's worse than Ace Queen? I mean, Ace King, like we said, Danny's three betting Ace King. Which, right. So what is he getting Danny off of there? He might just be clicking buttons and not know what he's doing. But he, Seems he like Ace Queen is the only hand that he can get Danny off of. <laughs> he almost, like, that 2x looks like a complete bluff, and he's been playing so aggro that. I might call him with a weaker ace there, so maybe that's why right. he does jam the ace queen for value to get ace ten and he's jacked the call. Yeah, but he's also he's also <laughs> losing so much value. Right, right. He's yeah, so he's, I mean, yeah. I guess it goes. Yeah, but he's over it and he wants to play for stacks and have all the chips. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a. He is the, going for my stack, so and he's trying to get it as quick as possible. I, I mean. I don't know. It was just so so weird at the time, especially like in the moment kind of thing. Looking at it now, I, I mean, I had my finger on the on the call button, and I just kept thinking. I, I was just like, it's not worth it. There's, I couldn't help but think of, there was forty two thousand on the line. Right, right. And there was two. Well, Ape Stars was getting short, and <clears throat> um, I didn't want this guy to give his chips if he did happened to beat me. I didn't want him to give him away to a stronger player than me like he was going to because he was getting, you know, he was super active and stuff. Right. And one of the regs was just going to take his chips as long as they, you know, ran pure. Right. Interesting <laughs> spot. Wow. Yeah. So are you saying you called there, Sean? Uh, I mean, kind of got to be in the moment to know for sure. It's close. Right. Yeah, I was like literally 51% fold. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think you'd 100% can make an argument either way. It just. I was right. a t- like, if he turned ace three or he had ace king, it was just like, I, I think they were the main two hands I was concerned about. Um, yeah, and then you just vomit when you call. Yeah. And And like you said, if you have that much of a skill edge on him, then. Maybe it's better to just conserve your exactly. chips and, and find spots where you're at least more certain. Mm-hmm. So, makes sense. Cool. Well, let's move on to another hand from that tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, uh, as you mentioned, Ape Styles was at the table. Um, you know, pretty well-known MTT regular. Uh, and this yep. hand uh, somewhat involves him. Um, so he is in the hijack uh, with 48 big blinds. And he opens. Um, you have queen nine of diamonds in the cutoff with 56 big blinds, and uh, and you flat. And can you talk a little bit about why you flat there? <coughs> I actually talked to a lot of people about this hand. Um, this was pretty much the make or break for the win of the tournament, um, <clears throat> in my opinion, anyway. Um, I flat here because. I wanted to mix in a flatting range. I hadn't really been flatting at all, like, 
uh, it's either been like three bet, four bet. There hasn't been a whole lot of uh, getting to the flop anyway. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of mix in a, a a flatting range with you know something like Queen Nine suit. It has good equity against his opening range, and um, in case I did pick up like a hand like aces or kings later later on, maybe I could flat and induce a three bet and get it in somehow. I just basically, you know, wanted to mix in, you know, I wanted to have that in my arsenal, if, if you would. Yeah. So, uh, I, also, I think uh, that Matt Allen guy was just trying to see every flop, like like the last time we were talking about. I, I figured he was going to come along if I did flat, if he had any playable hand, um, which I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, yeah. In, in this spot, um, that... That guy, the aggro guy from the previous hand, uh, flats mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I, I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess Queen Nine's a hand that plays pretty well, even mm-hmm. even three ways. So. And uh, a lot of people were saying I should three bet fold that spot, but I, like I said, I just wanted to mix in a flat. But with Ape Styles, I just figured he was going to expect me to three bet the cutoff light there because it was just a fantastic spot to do so, and I figured he was going to four bet jammy even lighter. Or four right. at me, and I just didn't want to get involved with that. How much are you ranger? Are you really flatting there? Are you flatting um, that often? Am I flatting queen nine there often? No, just how much of your range are you flatting that often? Oh, um, not that. I, I'm not flatting a whole lot there. That's why I wanted to mix in a flat. Yeah. Yeah, and what about ape style's four bet range? If you th- do three bet, it's going to be pretty wide, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was going to be super wide, and and I just, I mean, I got it. It almost was to the point that he could four bet fold. Right, I was, yeah, I was just going to say five bet jammed, you know. Right, I was just going to say, are if you three bet here, are you, are you just, are, would you almost always be five bet jamming if he four bets you? Given I could definitely three bet fold there, and that's. Yeah, but you could also five bet shove. I could five bet shove, but four bet. Right. I don't know. I guess it depends. It was just like he's been doing this so much. It could he could have it, he could not. But like I've seen him do so much. He's just an unpredictable player, and I didn't really want to get involved with him. And I just feel like why why do all that when you could play this hand in position with him for a smaller pot? Right, and that's pretty much my logic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we we go to the flop uh, three handed. Uh, or three ways, and the flop is king of diamonds, ten of diamonds, nine of clubs. So, I mean, as far as flops for queen nine of diamonds go, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> that's hit, yep. Yeah. Um, Ape Styles bets uh, about three-fifths of the pot, mm-hmm. uh, and it looks like you call, I guess kind of hoping that our our spazzy aggro player does something crazy. Right, and I mean, I could rep... Uh... I could have flopped it with. I would probably flat queen jack there as well, so I could have flopped it and see if he double barrel and get it in on the turn. Not afraid of a whole lot. Um, never giving him diamonds really when he bets. What did he bet? He bet uh, uh, three fifth pot. It says however much that ends up being. Yeah. Um, can't really give him diamonds there, so. I mean, uh, if he only has one pair, ace king. If he did have ace king, I want to get it on the on the turn anyway because yeah. I, I just have so much equity with that hand. Yeah. 
Right. And it also gives Matt Allen a chance to spaz as well. I think that's the key here. I really, I really think that that's the key part of this hand is flatting here. I mean, Ape Style's C bet range is so wide here. So you, if you flat, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be double barreling a lot here. Yep. Even if Matt Allen falls, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But if you if you raise. He's probably not going to continue out of position. Yeah, especially if he missed it. He's just c betting the king. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you take you take Matt Allen's opportunity to spaz away too, right, probably. Right. 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 Okay. Yeah, I like so, that. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So so you flat and uh, Matt Allen does indeed uh, spaz out a little bit. Jams mm-hmm. two two point five times the pot. He likes those big bets. Apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he wanted to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So, so at this point, what are what do you now put Matt Allen on? Um, I gave him a super wide range. Obviously, if he shows me ace queen and he's just, you know, doing that two um, x potting the previous hand we talked about, uh, it kind of indicates that he could do this with just king queen king. He could have, you know, king ten, king nine, um, or sorry. What, what was the, the flop? King ten, king ten nine, king ten nine. Um, smaller diamonds, seven eight, um, jack eight. I mean, he could. There's a super wide range. I think he would do this with, especially if he's over it. Like, so I mean, queen nine diamonds there with the with a pair, the gutter, second nut flush draw, and the nut straight flush draw. I mean. Yeah. Let's go. I mean, I'm playing for the win here. I'm not. I'm just never gonna let that go against his range. Right. His yeah. Spaz range. So there's pretty much nothing he can have that you're in horrible shape. No. Against, so. There's you know, and he never has kings. Um, I doubt he has tens. He doesn't have nines because I have a nine. You know, most likely. Right. Um. He could. I don't think he jams the knots. I'm pretty sure you made a Facebook post after you lost this hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so you do end. You know, he he obviously 2.5 x pots it. You call and uh, Ape Styles Ape Styles ends up folding, um, yep. and the villain flips over King Ten off, and uh, and somehow I can't imagine missing all those drives, but you don't hit them all the chips. Yeah, yeah, that's. That's a sick brick out, man. <laughs> it was pretty gross, yeah. And, yeah. like, that's pretty much the top of his range there. Right. If right. that makes yeah. sense. Because, you know, it's so – he could have so much less than that. But even to brick against – 50-50 against what he did have is still so sick. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame him for shoving there, though, based on the dynamics from the hand before. Yeah, I mean – Especially being such a drivey board, he knows you're going to call off later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he. I don't it's know. it's very possible he wasn't even thinking that, but right. yeah. but it's it's not a bad play if no. he was thinking it. Although I, I think I, my guess is you guys are probably right. He I think he's been clicking buttons in most of these hands. Yeah, I think he has too. And uh, that's what, like before. Um, I actually went into the tank with a that ace queen that hand like big time, and uh, I think that's what maybe why he showed it. And obviously it's an easy call here with uh Yeah, it's a lot hand. easier than the other one. Yeah, for sure. So I'm I'm happy with making this call and I'm happy with making the fold and getting him to show me info to make this call. Right. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of found that spot that you had preserved your stack. Right, and you know, if, once I do, like, if I do win this hand, I've got like two million chips, and I'm just running the table. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because yep. that's like, when I have a stack, that's all I'm doing, pretty much, in freeze-outs. Right. And was this your bust-out hand, or did this just kind of cripple you? No, this you? wasn't the bust-out. Oh, okay. was pretty close. I think, uh, yeah, Tollgate busted after that, and I happened to get a prize jump, which was nice. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Well, Still a really nice run, though. Yeah. yeah, I mean, congrats on... I mean, anytime you can ship that kind of money is always a good thing. So. Yeah, it was nice in, like, a, a major tournament, too. Yeah. Like, you know, $162 buying is just not the easiest field, so it kind of boosted my freeze-out confidence anyway. Yeah, they're not they're not a 2K buy-ins, so, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, too, because there was a lot of TPE people railing. Like, I, I kind of found out about it by going into the chat room, and everybody's like, we're railing Danny. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, very nice. And so you're going to do this for your next video, right? Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right, uh, so. I've had a lot of requests, actually, so. Awesome. Yeah. So that'll probably be up in about two weeks from the podcast here. So look back for that um, when Danny po- when Danny when we post that, that hand history review from Danny. Um, lo- really looking forward to that. I love, you know, thought process and, um you know, analyzing everything street by street here. And, and I, what I really like is we're talking a lot about the table dynamics. Um, For sure. You know, and, and maybe that's maybe that's part of your turbo background. That's mm-hmm. why you're... And maybe, you know, it'll be nice to get my insight on freeze-outs, too. Yeah, yeah. Since well, it's been hypers and turbos so far. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I mean, you know, we brought you on. You had a reputation in turbos and, 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 and hypers. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's great to see you branching out and, and having success in the other fields For as sure. well. Cool. Absolutely. And so, yeah, yeah, we'd be we'd be remiss here not to mention uh, Sean's recent success. We're we're actually um, we're bringing Sean back next week um, to do a, another podcast with us, a real quick turnaround for those yeah. listening. But Sean final tabled. What would you final table, Sean? You want to you want to say it? WPT. The WPT Tampa main event. Very nice, Sean. With, with uh, fifth place, uh, right? Yeah. Live pro, live pro in the live house. Bro. <laughs> You know it. <laughs> Very nice. Well, so good. Yeah, congrats, man. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. We wanna, yeah, we want to give that its due. Um, we want to we want to have a whole um, podcast with you on that, so we won't go too deep into um, into that. But do you want to give us any preview or just any general thoughts on that tournament and, and the final table run and what it was like? Um, I probably knew ten people there total, and in the <laughs> final five, I knew two of them. Two of the guys I knew were there: D Fish and uh, Commander Cool. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, they final table it too. Yeah. Okay. Not a dream. Not a dream final table to be. Yeah. No, sure. <laughs> it was the final table bubble. There's 11 of us, and it was me and those two and the guy that won it. We're all on the same table at the final table bubble, and we had like two thirds of the chips in play on our table, and there were no chips at all on the other table. Jeez. So Jeez. that made it kind of interesting playing yeah. table bubble. With Did people three. fly out at the final table? Yeah, everybody that got moved when we uh, combined to one, they all busted pretty quickly, sure. believe it or not. Okay. Um, the structure was kind of quick. It was only 40-minute levels, and for a 2K buy-in, you kind of want a little bit longer levels. So, I mean, the structure caught up to us pretty quickly. Right. Um, but, I mean, you know, good players can adapt to structure, so it shouldn't make too big of a difference. You just, obviously, for a bigger buy-in, you wish there was a little bit more play, but... Um, you know, I, I feel like I played pretty well. Had one nice suck out late on day one. 
other than that, I didn't get my money in bad for my tournament life at all. Cool. So, it's always good. Well, good. we'll uh, we'll go over some specific hands and stuff next week when we when we bust out another podcast and get a little more strategy in. Right. Cool. Well, Danny, thank you so much for for joining us today. Your introduction here on the TPE podcast. Uh, great strategy talk. I'm really glad to have you aboard as a TPE pro. A lot of great yeah, feedback. Thanks for having me. Appreciate and, it. And uh, looking forward to. Uh, the TPE house of the WSOP and um, sure. going to start training on my Super Mario Kart game now. <laughs> I hear you're a Super Mario Kart fish. So. <laughs> cool. Yeah, thanks thanks again, Danny, and thanks, Sean. No and, problem. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back to wrap it up here on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Tears. This is Casey Big Dog Pocket Fives Jarzebeck from TournamentPokerEdge.com. If you've been looking for a trading site dedicated exclusively to tournament poker, then look no further. Tournament Poker Edge is only $23.95 per month with no initial sign-up fee and we post a new training video every weekday. You also find poker-related articles, blogs, and very active strategy forms. We even offer you the ability to upload your own video for others to discuss. So head on over to TournamentPokerEdge.com and find out why it's quickly becoming the destination for tournament poker players looking to take their game to the next level. TournamentPokerEdge.com Welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Big thanks to Sean and Danny for stopping by today to talk a little bit of uh, a little bit of strategy. Nice to hear from uh, Danny. He's been been on board here for a couple months, and uh, good to finally get him on the show. I agree. I I, I really love talking um, with guys who to love to talk about the table dynamic. I think it's you know we've talked about this before with a lot of other players, um, especially Mike Lee uh, in the last couple podcasts, and and you know. <laughs> People are getting so good at poker that it really comes down to what's happening at your table and the reads and, and what you know about these players, and that really affects people's ranges. So it's good, good conversation points. Yeah. I know um, the biggest uh, impact for me is that now I'm even more jealous that I can't play on Poker Stars anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, hate, I hate talking to Canadians on the podcast. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Those guys. I, I'm, and I'm, I'm so annoyed because <laughs> I feel like uh, we just get in a uh, – just getting better at poker. I want to. I want to play. Yeah. <laughs> I want to play on the big sites. I want to play the big tournaments. You know. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it was definitely good to have him on. It was. It was cool to kind of hear um, some of the differences that he felt between you know turbos and and regular speed freezeouts. Um, and because I, I do think there's a, a pretty big dynamic shift there, and it's obvious that he's good at them because it seems like every other day he's posting some like $70 turbo yeah. final table or four. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's something's clicked for him. And you know, and in and, and those hands, we saw that those are really, I mean, we, we brought up some hands that were really marginal. I think um, a lot could go either way. And, and I'm not sure he even loved the lines he took in some of those hands, um, right. but you know, it just shows you that he doesn't see things as black and white and, you know, he's really a thicket player and I think that's starting to come through. And I really, yeah. I really like talking poker with him and he's even more fun to hang out with. So, um, yeah, fun. yeah. Should, should be a fun summer hanging out with him. It, it's the ability to come back to the house after playing and talk hands with people like Danny and Casey and Sean and people like that is so valuable. I just, I really look forward to doing that again. Yep. Yep. Very good. So, cool. Yeah, so let's I guess talk a little bit about what's coming or what's going on at TPE and what's coming up at TPE. Yeah, um, 
for if I were just a member and not just one of the, the, the people involved in TP, um, the, I would be, this would be one of my favorite times coming up, you know, given the holidays and maybe some time off and time to soak in some videos. Cause, um, <clears throat> there's some neat stuff that is up on the site right now. And that's coming. Um, first off, Brendor, um, Brendan Ruby had his premiere series to great feedback. Um, I've really enjoyed watching him. Um, he, he ran pretty bad. Um, so he, he you know, he unfortunately didn't get the final table or anything in his series, but um, great thought process there once again, um, and really interesting to hear a top player like Brendor. If you guys don't know him, he's, you know, he's five, won F-tops. Um, he's, you know, a very popular player in Australia. Um, he has a huge following, um, made some really good videos. Um, and so introducing him as a, as a, a new pro was, was pretty exciting for December. Um, but there's a really interesting series up right now from T-Twist. Who you know, T Twisted Cougars. Those you know, those are guys we brought on to do a lot of low stakes stuff, and um, you know, our, our members play a lot of low stakes, and they they definitely have a following there. And they T Twist is creative. Um, he came up with a series. He took a, did a takeoff of the Stick It to My to the Man series that's up mm-hmm. right now. Calling he's calling it Sticking It to Myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's actually pretty interesting. He's reviewing his. He he made it before back in like 2007 I think or 2008 2006 I don't know years ago yeah. um, he made a couple deep runs in Sunday majors including the Sunday Million so um, he's actually um, doing a review of his hand history from that time period um, which is pretty interesting because you know he does some you know in his own words and admittedly some pretty laughable stuff. At those right. tournaments, um, I mean, I just watched a couple of them, and you know, he's he's five xing, he's four xing, you know, he's calling for set mining with like twelve big blinds, you know, <laughs> you know, and 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 you know, T Twist pulls no punches. Uh, he he was disgusted with himself on some of those yeah. hands, um, so it's been fun to watch that. Um, just point out some of the mistakes he's making. So I think it's educational and entertaining. Um, this series. So I've been watching that, enjoying it. Um, so you got the Brendor series, you got T Twist series. Um, Mike Mike Leah um, has another series that just premiered today. Um, it is another W Coop. Um, before he final tabled the W Coop main, he actually uh, did a sweat for us, a live sweat with W Coop um, that we we held off until we wanted to put the W Coop main live sweat up right away, just because you know we wanted to see this play there. Um, but this is a really interesting series too. It's a five parter. It's a live. W Coop sweat with two or three W Coops going on at one time. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then the other interesting thing is that TP theory videos are making a pretty strong comeback. Um, Daryl Jace, who's known as A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A. Nine eight. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I don't know if that was nine, but I, I'm guessing. Um, he's, I would say that Daryl is one of the most cerebral pros that we've, we've ever had. Um, he's a thinker and he's, he's not, super he's not loud at all and he's not a, a fast talker um he's more of a you know a sort of a thinking player um and he's put out some pretty advanced um he's putting out some pretty advanced theory videos um that are coming up soon first off uh two weeks ago he did a, a theory video on how to become a better poker player how to study how to fix leaks just how to how to how to approach the game what to do which was pretty interesting um yeah i, I thought that was a really cool video i agree just because it was it was different and it was Sometimes you just need the bait, you know, you, you want some like basic foundational stuff as opposed to like 
three bet percentages and stuff like that. Like you right. just want some basic things to improve your game. And I think that video is perfect for that. Right. Well, and then um, to the flip side of what you just said, he has a series. He has a three part theory series coming out called um, Exploiting Weaknesses. Um, and I think this is definitely for advanced players. Um, you know, he basically goes through the types of leaks people have, you know, calling too much, folding too much, three betting too much, folding the three bets too much, four betting too much, you know, uh, C betting too much. Just, you know, I think he lists like, I don't know how many leaks, but in over three parts, he goes through how to exploit those weaknesses. So, yeah. I mean, I, once again, Daryl is not the loudest guy in the world, but he's full of such amazing insight that it's it's very academic, actually. So, you know, so I think uh, if you're serious about the game and you're considering yourself an intermediate player uh, or advanced, I think these are videos for you. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I, I just got them and I'm starting to you know turn them into videos for for the site. So I'm been, I, I might keep them for a little while longer, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> for the information. <laughs> no, actually, first first part comes out on Thursday. So um, nice. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it too. It sounds like the kind of series that we'll need to watch like two or three times. Uh, yeah, really yeah, basketball. absolutely. They're they're about 35, 40 minutes each. Um, you know, but you're definitely gonna want to watch them, take notes, and don't just watch them while like surfing the internet or playing like these are videos you want to stop and, and he goes over hands too so is pretty neat so he goes over some theory concepts with you know powerpoint and then brings up hands with examples but i would recommend and, and we're going to bring daryl on the show um sometime in the future to talk about this but i would recommend and this actually comes from his uh his his video his first video i'd recommend stopping the video finding hands that are related to the concepts look at what you did taking some notes and coming back and just you know Use these as sort of the graduate course for tournament poker because it's what they are for our site. Right. So. And like you said, it's the perfect time to be doing it because, you know, the holidays get a little crazy. You might not be able to put in an eight-hour session, but I'm sure you can find a couple hours to sit down with a video and, yep. and do some homework. So yep. Yep. If, if if there's ever a time to do it, the holidays is the time. Yep. So. so, yeah, so uh, those are going up soon. So uh, looking forward to those. And those are the those are the main things that are going on with the uh, with the videos in the site. Nice. Well, cool. Um, I also wanted to mention there's a there's a pretty interesting interview that we just put up uh, on the site uh, with a, a gentleman who go, online known as Zima421, and uh, he runs with uh, with a partner uh, a staking operation, and uh, he was nice enough to do an interview with us about sort of the you know the turmoils of running a uh, a staking operation, and I thought that was pretty interesting. And it's one of the most common questions we get is like, how do I get backed or you know, should I be backed? Am I the right candidate for that kind of thing? And if you have those kind of questions, I definitely suggest uh, reading that interview. I think it was it was pretty insightful. So yep. uh, head over to head over to com and check that out. And uh, other than that, like you said, we'll be back here probably in about a week with uh, another podcast with Sean to talk about his WPT final table. Perfect. And uh, until then, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks again to Danny and Sean for being here. And we will catch you all next time on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. See ya. Play the cards with babes to start And after she's been hooked I'll play the
Everybody, everybody, no, she can't read the map. Oh, good thing. 